You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Bichette hits one to right field, hits it well, and it's gone. In his second game back off the I.L., the third home run of the afternoon for the Blue Jays. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Monday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios, beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. It's great to be back, everybody. I love being with my friends first thing in the morning. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Hour one of this program brought to you by John Stone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at John Stone's Barbecues. No, no. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. I took melatonin for the first time ever last night. Oh, first yeah. time you're ever. On, you're on Oof. to the, the heavy stuff, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. How are your dreams? Wow. I can see through time. Yeah, it, it wow. Was, yeah, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it work for you? <laughs> Not as... Thoroughly as I expected it to. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like a knockout drug. Right. It was more like a relaxing drug. You should take right. some more right now. I think <laughs> I might. Come to me if you need the knockout drugs. <laughs> I believe he's referred to it as quote unquote child's play. It before. is child's play. Yeah. It's yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. nothing to the sleep. The stuff that puts me to sleep would also put an elephant to sleep. <laughs> mm, that's the good stuff. All right. We got a big show ahead. Uh, I am back from vacation. You were back last week. We're all very excited to be here. We are slowly getting close to the fall and the real good sports stuff. Uh, today's show, 7 o'clock, first-time guest on the program, Mike Lefko is going to join us. He is the Mariners' pre- and post-game host, 710 ESPN in Seattle. The red-hot Seattle Mariners on the heels of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. The Mariners are so hot that they forced the Astros to have a players-only meeting yesterday. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's maybe, what happens when you get swept. Yeah, maybe the Jays will have to run down the Astros, not the Mariners, that would for be the amazing. final playoff spot. That would be amazing. I'd like to see it. i actually like to see the Astros fall out entirely. Only three and a half back of the Rangers as well. That would be awesome. That I, would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? Mariners the, and Blue Jays make the playoffs, Astros fall out. Yeah, that would be great. I, You know I had an Astros hat once. No, I know. I was yeah. shamed into never wearing it again because mm-hmm. they cheat so People much. kept banging trash bins on your way by and they yeah. saw you coming. And it had nothing to do with cheating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're a trash person. <laughs> it's just part of his life. <laughs> again with the trash cans. 7.30, Mike Tannier. Uh, he is writing for The Messenger now. He's their NFL writer. Uh, he will be joining us at 7.30, our NFL insider, as we look around what's going on in the final couple of weeks of the NFL preseason. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play a little bit of the preseason game for the Jets, their final preseason game. People had wondered whether yeah. or not he would, and he is. He's going to. They're playing the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I heard a couple talking heads on ESPN discussing how this wasn't just like a regular exhibition preseason game because 
the New York rivalry and the Giants and the Jets. I was like, I bet it still is. Yeah, kind I bet like it's a preseason still, game. still an exhibition game. <laughs> I, bet, I bet he doesn't take it any more seriously. Anyway, 7.30, Mike Tannier is going to join us. 8 o'clock, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, In Goal Magazine. Uh, he had a chance to speak with Mikhail Samuelson, former Vancouver Canuck, now working in a scouting capacity. We'll talk to Kevin about everything that's going on in the offseason. Laddie, do you have some goalie questions for well, him? Well, I was going to say, can you ask Kevin what it's like to now be working on like the management side with these players that he covered during his early days as a reporter? Is, does he feel old now is the question that I want you to ask. You Kevin. want me to ask Kevin if he feels old? Yes, because okay. the players that he once covered are now in management. Uh, he's doing yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, because he's been doing this for an awfully long mm-hmm. time. We can ask Kevin about practically anything because there's nothing going on. You can ask him personal questions if you want. I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what Michael Samuelson had to say to Kev about the job that he's got with the Canucks and the prospects um, development, especially a guy like Lecker Amaki, who had a kind of a challenging season last year, although it finished well. So uh, 8 o'clock, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com and In Goal Magazine. 7.30, Mike Tannier, uh, our NFL insider. 7 o'clock, Mike Lefko to talk some Mariners. Also, important to know, the contest that swept the nation uh, has now come to a conclusion. This morning, 8.30 a.m., we are going to announce the winners to a private luxury suite to the Lions and Ticats. But that's not all. In addition to the suite where you and nine of your friends get to go, you get to hang out with me, Bruff, and the dogs. How awesome is that? We're going to announce the winner at 8.30. I'm sure they, they probably spent the entire overnight period counting all of the entries into this contest. There must have been. They had to hire four more people. <laughs> <laughs> and they each counted one. One entry each. <laughs> Uh, so, someone texted in or tweeted at me uh, that he'd need to bring stuffies if he could find nine friends to go with him to a Lions game. I'm not going to lie. When they said nine friends, I was like, that's going to be a big challenge for a lot of our listeners. <laughs> that's asking a lot. I think somebody tweeted in, uh, nine enemies would be easier. That was Andy. Uh, that, yeah. And he wanted to be one of the enemies. Just be nine random people. Just pick them up off the street. You sure could take nine random people to a game and spend countless amounts of time with them in a closed booth. I think that's preferable. Actually. That'd be fun. Okay, so that's the show for today. Uh, we got a lot to get into. It was not a great Sunday for our local sporting squadrons. So without further ado, uh, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. It's nice to know that when you go away for a month, you can come back and everything is still the same. Vancouver sports teams, struggling. Well, only for one day anyway. Sunday, not a great day for the Lions and the Whitecaps. We begin with the Lions. Uh, they lose 34-29 in Saskatchewan to the Rough Riders. I guess the score is kind of misleading because a game that was at one point pretty comfortable for Saskatchewan got real close in the fourth quarter, but eventually a five-point win for the Rough Riders, dropping the Lions to 7-3 and three on the season. Yeah, the Riders knew the team that was coming uh, to visit. They were ready for the Lions, uh, and it was at the half 24-13 for Jake Dolagala. Good one. And the Green Guys. Um the Lions struggled defensively, which is weird to say because they don't often struggle defensively. Uh, they had turnover issues. They had 
troubles in pass protection. Vernon Adams was running for his life at times and even came up hobbling at one point. Uh, In the second half, the lead only got bigger for the Riders. But the Lions, because they have a lot of talent there, especially at the receiving core, did launch a pretty impressive comeback. Uh, Lucky Whitehead had had a, a very long touchdown pass from Vernon Adams, um, but ultimately they came up short in their final drive for a game-winning field goal. The final score, because the Riders tacked on a meaningless field goal, was Riders 34, Lions 29. Um, So the Lions went to Regina hoping to keep pace with Winnipeg, which got the win uh, a tight game over Calgary, I think. So the Lions are no longer in first. They don't even have a share of first place in the division, and that's a big deal. Because we talked a lot about this last week. We really want to see a Western Final at BC Place. Right. Now, it's going to make it even more necessary for the Lions to not only keep pace with the Bombers as the season progresses, but looking ahead to that game October 6th at BC Place against Winnipeg, they're probably going to have to win that game now. Right? Um, Now, there's still plenty of time left in the season, but the problem is, is that there's a lot of teams in the CFL that are kind of like, for the most part, I don't want to say gimmies because people will say, well, the Riders should have been a gimme for the Lions, mm-hmm. but, you know, they're gimmies. Right? <laughs> you know, like, when the Lions host Hamilton next week, I'd be shocked if they lose that game. Greg, he's talking about your Ticats. Right? The Ticats just lost the Elks at home. Now, they're probably going to be upset and they're going to come with the effort, but the Lions are going to be upset too. So I don't know what the line is going to be in that, but it's probably going to be like BC – Minus 14, because the Lions are really good at BC Place, and they struggled a bit on the road this season. Um, you know, I, I, I really – I think we're going to see a home playoff game at BC Place. Yeah. There, there's still a huge gap between second and third in the division, and that is BC and Saskatchewan. But um, a disappointing result in Saskatchewan. Not a shock. The Lions are not a perfect team. They still make mistakes. Um, the Bombers are still the class of the division, although the Lions went in there earlier in the season and took care of business. The Bombers are still the team that has to be overcome, and the Lions aren't there yet. So hopefully that game on October 6th, I know it's a, a ways away. but I was going to say. No, 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 but we talked about this last, last week. Just like, you know, like we're, the big game against, you know, at BC Place, like with all due respect to Hamilton, I know we got a suite there, and a Greg, lot of he's people are, about your and again. a lot of people are going to be, um, you know, in a suite. <laughs> no one's going to sit there and go like, "This is the biggest game of the year." I just want that October sixth game to be a massive game for the Lions and the Bombers, and I want a lot of people to show up to BC Place, and then I want the Lions to win that, and then win the division and host a rematch in the Western Final. Okay, if you take – I did not realize that that's how far ahead we were looking, but I'm glad that there was something tangible here because when we were going through the notes and we're going through what everything happened on the weekend, I remember looking at this game and watching the game and seeing the results of it and then the standings and everything. It was kind of like, okay, not there's not a huge series of takeaways from it. Lions played okay. They didn't get off to a great start. They mounted a furious comeback. Vernon Adams almost threw for 500 yards, so that's something. But there was no huge takeaway. And that's kind of when you look at the standings is you're already in let's look further down the road mode because they're probably going to finish second in the division minus a huge 
sort of collapse or huge, you know, comeback from Saskatchewan. At to least jump second. second. Yeah. At least second. And then you're looking yeah. at this team where it's a playoff. It was funny because one of the highlight shows last night was talking about, you said there was no gimmies. And they're like, look at the West. What a meat grinder. And I'm like, I'm like there's like two teams above 500. It's not that great. You know, the, the division's kind of set out as it's going to be set out. So looking further down the road, yeah, it is going to all be about trying to get uh, that one home playoff game, like you're saying, but also getting a big crowd out. I was at BC Place last night for the Whitecaps, as we'll transition to the Whitecaps game last night. And it's still sparse. Yeah. There's 16,000 listed in attendance last night, which, by the way, I thought was pretty good for a Sunday night 7.30 kickoff. The bar Not is, an ideal time. The, the bar has kind of been lowered if, if you thought that was a pretty good showing, right? For the Caps, it was yeah. uh, above average, I think, for in terms of attendance, but still... As you kind of look for bigger and bigger crowds, that's something that you'd like to see. You know, more well, than... they sure delivered then because they lost one nil to San Jose, a right. team that's right around them in the standings, and now they have to head out on the road for seven straight. Yeah, they don't play at home again until the end of September. It's a... is that a little long for the MLS? Like, I it's don't know MLS scheduling schedule. super it's well, but very weird schedule. I feel like that's year. a lot of road games in a row. I it's... think the the Caps have played fourteen home games in nine away yeah they've been pretty good save for last night at bc place uh they have not been good on the road so this is a big test now it's not like seven games in two weeks or anything there is a big internet well not a big there is an international break at the beginning of september so they can come home and and practice and get some rest do laundry this is going to be a huge test and it's a pretty disappointing way to go out, considering they had a couple of new players. Yeah, debut. you had um, Richie Larea on the program last week. Did you mm-hmm. not? Yeah, I'm we not did. Mistaken. I missed that. Dang. Yeah, Larea got the start. So the Canadian International makes his Whitecaps debut in the first half, and then Vanny subbed him off in the second half and gave Sam Atacubi, the other big Canadian International transfer that came in, mm-hmm. his debut in the second half. Neither of them made a difference. They lost one nil to San Jose. San Did they have Jose- chances? Who? The Whitecaps. Oh, tons. Score? Oh, really? Tons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because really... uh, because you know how the, the TV uh, program works for MLS. I was able to watch on, uh, on TV last night. I would have been able to watch Austin and St. Louis play, <laughs> yeah. but I was kind of like, you know, I, I don't really want to watch Austin and St. Louis play. I would like to watch my local Whitecaps team, but mm. because they were on Apple and uh Austin and St. Louis were on the cable that I pay for. Yeah. I was not able to watch the Caps. So I know the cable station that you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I do know that they've come under some scrutiny <laughs> for picking up random MLS games. While the Whitecaps games are on. It's happened a couple times this yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for those of you watching on Apple TV, who got a bit of a boost this past weekend, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. What a freaking boost. Much like the BC Lions lost. On Sunday, 1-0 loss to San Jose at BC Place, as we mentioned. San Jose had one shot on net for the entirety of the match. That's the bad part. The good part for them, I suppose, is that they scored on that one <laughs> shot. A 1-0 victory. That was it. It was The St. Louis-Austin game was actually really exciting. It was 6-3 for St. Louis. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a lot of a wild one. Wow. Uh, Jake Derwinski, former Whitecap, plays for St. Louis. I wonder if he had anything to do with it. Probably on the defensive side. Anyway, um, so the Caps, it was very frustrating. Very, very frustrating yesterday. Uh, It boiled over late as San Jose's relentless time-wasting and delay tactics finally got to Ryan Gold. He snapped 
He yelled. Sounds like a great game you said last night. You know, I, halfway through, I was like, I'm staying up late for this. I have to work really early tomorrow. It's my first day back. Someone saw me in the concourse. They're like, hey, Halford, you're, you're double fisting. I'm like, yeah, it's my last day of vacation. I'm, I'm having a good time here at the game. And Halford said, no. <laughs> I'm like, has anyone scored yet? I was yelling at him. Anyway. Halford was already three melatonins deep. <laughs> yeah, are you supposed to take them at 630 at night? Because that's what I did. At least, no. you, at least you're able to get your tequila sodas. They had no lineup last right, night. Perfect. No lineup. Yeah, so that was good. They had the the service was on point. The white cap service was not so much. It was disappointing. Really? Three tequila sodas? It was right now. This is what you're ordering? You can only order two at a time. <laughs> You'll know this when we go to the BC Lions game next Saturday. And try to order three tequila sodas. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, that's not covered by the company plan. You get popcorn and a foam finger. So a disappointing loss for the BC Lions and a disappointing loss for yeah. the Vancouver Whitecaps. Welcome back to work, Halford. That was a good great. Um, it was great. We're going to lead you into uh, the big debate. Well, I don't know if it's the big debate, but it's a debate. It's one of the bigger sports debates. Is Lionel Messi and his dominance good for the MLS? Embarrassing for the MLS? Right. Or both? Okay, so this question is being posed on a larger scale, by the way. This isn't just Halford and Bruff nerding out on soccer. I'm on social media. I saw the conversations. I saw popular people, non-sports fans, tweeting out about Inter-Miami's win over Nashville on the weekend. Reese Witherspoon was there. She's popular. She's a part owner She trans Nashville. Sports. Yeah. Uh, Clay Not Travis. Not the city, the team. Right. <laughs> Clay that, was, that was the city. Clay, Clay <laughs> Travis, noted right-wing pundit. He was there. I'm like, I can't, oh, believe, I can't believe this guy's tweeting about soccer. But he was. Uh, yeah. There, no, but anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that this is a... Big, big deal because Lionel Messi is ripping apart Major League Soccer mm. in a way that other past greats have come to MLS and done nowhere near as much with this great immediacy. It's crazy. Anyway. Uh, Sorry. Compare what Messi can't. No, no, no. <laughs> but who's the best star, whether it's an aging star? Like, who performed the best in MLS? Someone's going to kill me here, but I think – I. For the ones that I saw, uh, Ibrahimovic was personally dominant. His team didn't have as much success, but Mm -hmm. individually just scored bags of goals. Drogba was unreal when he came over and played for uh, Montreal. And then it kind of falls off. Like Wayne Rooney had some really amazing moments, but he never had it. No one's had this amount of success coming over. But it's not just just Messi. But but what was Ibra's level of scoring in MLS. It was not 10 goals in seven matches. Mm. Let's put it that way. What Messi's doing is amazing and remarkable, but also, as you astutely pointed out in your question, does pose some legitimate queries about the level of MLS. Okay, so when he was at Barcelona in his prime, mm-hmm. did he score? Like, What were his rates of scoring? Is this Does this sound right? I'm on Wikipedia right now. He Can't had- be wrong. 520 appearances, 474 goals. He scored a lot. So he scored like a goal a game for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Is it really all that shocking that he's like – some people, um, I, I, don't, I don't even really have a hard opinion on this because I don't know enough about it. Sure. Ask, but some, ask pe- away, but some people will say he's the greatest soccer player ever. Mm-hmm. He very recently played well – and helped Argentina win uh, the World Cup. Played very well. I realize he's 36 years old. Mm-hmm. I realize perhaps his best days are behind him. But he's still 
really, really good. So a couple things here. One, and you and I were talking about this via text last night. There seems to be a different approach, intensity, want, and desire for Messi than there has been from the previous regime, which was the sort of washed-up stars that were coming over at their end of their career yeah. to have a American vacation. I go to America and just kind of like kick the ball around a bit. Does Messi have any other interests? Because all those other guys like yeah. have a bunch of interests. Like, That's a good like, point. Like Gareth Bale. Yeah. He's like, uh, I'd rather golf. Sure. Right? Messi, Wayne Rooney, drink and gamble. Yeah. Isn't Messi a bit like... Isn't he a bit like Sid? And like Sid's a huge hockey nerd. That's a fair comparison. Messi's like a soccer nerd that... If he does have any interests outside of soccer, like you're not really sure what they are. Yeah, no, that that's a fair comparison. He is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. What I, he was like, what are you talking about? He's a huge stamp collector or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't but, get in the but, way of his football though. The stamps right. are completely a sideline right. thing. Um, Imagine if it did though. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a problem. Yeah, he's missing stamps. tonight's game. He's got to go to a conference. Yeah. So I think he wants that stamp with the upside down plane so badly. That's right. It's a hot collector, collector's item. Uh, the airplane is upside down. So what, what you're bringing up is it's all part of it, right? I think that, that uh, there's a certain type of player, a handful of them, that are going to come over and play with the sort of intensity, for lack of a better term, that, that Messi is. Also, they did something different here that past MLS teams have not done. They didn't just bring in the big superstar players. They brought in a couple guys to play with them. And in this mm-hmm. case, it's Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba, both of who played at Barcelona last year in a pretty big capacity. Like yeah. they weren't at the, I mean, they're old, they're in their mid to late thirties, but they're still playing at a high level. So it gave Messi the ability to have guys on his team that he could say, okay, we know what we want to do. But what about the motivating factor too, that he's got all these incentive laden deals sure that's a big part of it i can't even imagine what this weekend did for apple that plucky underdog company it's nice to see small businesses thriving Mm -hmm. um this was exactly exactly what mls and apple wanted when Messi came to north america was you are going to take this league by storm you're going to dominate it you have to realize that not only did miami blow through this competition they were the worst team in mls Going into this competition, yeah, Messi came on board and they became honestly the best. They did that game against Nashville was one of the really the only close games that they've had. Yeah, in this I, competition, I, I get why people are saying this is embarrassing for totally MLS. Like I, I understand it. Cathal Kelly wrote a column uh, in the Globe and Mail. I don't know if anyone reads newspapers anymore, but he basically said like Messi coming over and dominating is embarrassing for MLS and it takes the credibility of MLS away. I disagreed with a lot of that column. I mean, we're talking about messy here mm-hmm. and nobody, the thing is like nobody was acting like MLS is a top five league in the world. Nope, no, nobody acts like that. No. Right. You know, right now there's a debate among the soccer nerds, like what's better MLS or the Mexican league, right? Nobody's thinking that, MLS is on the level of uh, La Liga or the Premiership. Um, and we're, again, we're talking about Messi here, right? We'd be so disappointed if he, if he came over and kind of like was jogging around out there and, uh, you know, like 30 pounds overweight. Yeah, like it, it, we're talking. Yeah, just like it just, we'd be disappointed in that. What he's done is he's come over, he's taken it seriously. And this is what you get. Yeah, I think he's unbelievable. He's an unbelievable 
talent. I think the it was an inevitability that that conversation was going to happen. And the one I'm talking about, of course, is the one you were mentioning with Cathal Kelly, which is, is this Messi's greatness or is this the watered-down, mediocre, mid-MLS? And it's a totally valid conversation to have. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Because it is a tad eye-rolling when you see a guy come in and turn the fortunes around of a team like that. Yeah. And they go from being awful to amazing. It does kind of make you wonder, like, what's going on here? And the quality of the goals that he's scoring. I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Like, the goal that he scored against Nashville. Um, it was funny because a couple of people were like, there was five players surrounding him. And I was like, yes, but none of them bothered to go for the ball. They all just kind of watched Messi <laughs> do whatever he wanted to do. They're now, like, I want to get a good view of this. Right. Walker Zimmerman, uh, American international defender, played at the World Cup. He was the one that kind of got danced around by Messi. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a level of quality. That but he, how many times has Messi even done exactly. that? Exactly. In he the best it, leagues in the world. That's it, what yeah. he does. And this is kind of what he was supposed to do. I think a lot of people are... Um, a little bit jaded when it comes to the prophecy being fulfilled, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I have a, a bunch of guys that we have on the soccer chat on WhatsApp and on my soccer team, and they're like, you know, this feels fixed, or this feels too easy, or this is kind of a joke. And I, again, I do have time for the discussion, but I think you can put it to bed in a lot of ways because the league is getting better. Do you think Walker Zimmerman's in on this? I think Walker Zimmerman's in on the fix. Yeah, he's big in man on the fix. Bun. Yeah. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the you the best. Halford and Bruff. One on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. This is the song to get your week going. No? Nothing? Nobody? I like Anybody? it. This is Woodley's theme song. There's just no lyrics to it. Not yet. Not yet. Is that something you're going to work on for the start of the new hockey season? Eh, maybe. <laughs> Don't sound so enthused, Andy. Woodley's <laughs> uh, not, uh, well, not that good. Sorry, I was um, actually on a serious note. I wanted to find out what was happening in Kelowna uh, with the fires. We've been thinking about everyone affected by the fires in this province. Um, man, it's been, it's been hard to watch um, what's been happening up in places like Kelowna. Of course, we're still crossing our fingers for cities like Yellowknife, um, all affected by the wildfires in Canada. Um, and I just went on to uh, Twitter, and I'm, I mean X, Right. And uh, no, I'll call it Twitter. That happened Twitter. when I was away. Yeah. Um, and you know, they've got like the trending topics or what's happening. And obviously, one of the top ones for me is, um, is Kelowna. So I just, instead of, you know, like going to the news, I just, you know, clicked on Kelowna. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, the first account that popped up was uh, Theo Fleury's. So Twitter's working great. Uh, it's directing us to all the most reliable sources to find out very important information about 
um, our province and things are going on. Theo Fleury uh, definitely is all over this. Well, mine just is so you know. Well, just to yeah. a similar anecdote, mine is mm-hmm. directing me to Travis Tritt's account. Oh, good. I don't know why. Just, is that because someone said I looked like him once? Once. Yeah, good. Once. Yeah, it's all working well. Yeah. I was. I guess there's some. Uh, well, there's a big storm down in uh, California. I don't know all the details because I tried to try to learn some stuff on 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 X. Yeah. Yesterday and, um, I don't know what's reliable anymore on it. Like I, t- I clicked on Palm Springs and I saw a bunch of flood stuff, but I'm like, who is this coming from? I don't know who is giving me this information because the check marks are like the sneeches now. Mm, Do you remember yeah. that Dr. Seuss oh, yeah. books? Yeah, the, it's sne- the sneeches, unreliable. right? You're like, all right, well, it doesn't matter if this guy has a blue check mark like he just bought doesn't, it doesn't like, mean anything what right. does it mean like but anyway uh theo fleury's got uh the situation in Kelowna under control he's blaming he's on some, trudeau i assume he's got some very interesting ideas about what's happening up there well, I I've, bet. Got, I've managed to parse twitter down to where it's mostly just fight videos i don't know okay. <laughs> yeah oh nice like <laughs> yeah like but like bar fights or yeah. like waffle house fights yeah a lot of yeah. karens freaking out on like oh, nice. fast food employees yeah, yeah, i get yeah. a lot of those videos yeah. yeah so it's nice it's a nice refreshing getaway <laughs> it's got you down yeah okay uh kevin's been waiting patiently on hold your butt you gotta wait some more kev before we get to it, i need to tell you that halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the delari family of acura dealers experience the delari difference today by visiting your nearest delari acura dealer today we are in hour three of the program hour three is brought to you by campbell and pound real estate appraisers trust the expertise of campbell and Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go, nhl.com, in goal magazine. Kevin Woodley here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Kev? How are you? I'm good. I was actually supposed to be in or, I guess, headed up to Kelowna today. Um was there a couple of weeks ago, but obviously uh, there's a biosteel camp. I'm not sure if it's still going on, but obviously we're not going with everything else that's happening up there. So instead, flying to Montreal a couple of days early uh, this afternoon for some work. So, yeah, um, spent a lot of time, obviously, up there with... Um, uh, some of the NHL goalies and NHL goalie camps. Uh, one of the trainers, Adam Francilia, uh, up in Lake Country, thinking of him because I, I know at one point it looked like he was going to have to be evacuated. A number of people that we work with up there had to be evacuated already. So, you know, like everyone, just hoping that uh, as bad as this is, it, it um, you know, you just think of everyone that's affected by it. You don't really even know what to say, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. So tell us about your chat with uh, Michael Samuelson. Um, remind us what his role is and what you guys spoke about for an article on NHL.com. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, mostly about uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi. Um, and obviously we, we run prospect profiles on NHL.com through, throughout August. Um, and I guess a little bit in July too, just based on uh, development camp. And so had a good chat with him about you know some of the expectations that Lekaramaki dealt with, some of the struggles that he dealt with last year for for that piece that ran on the weekend, which I, I is why you guys called me for a change not about goaltenders. And you know Samuelson was blunt. He's he's in player development, has been since last May for the Vancouver Canucks. And you know anybody that if you remember him from his playing days here, certainly as a journalist, um, blunt, right? Like that was one of his one of his strengths. He didn't sugarcoat it. And he was the same when it came to Le Karamaki. Um, 
both on the positive and the negative side. Like I think there was a quote I used in the story about it could take two years, it could take five years, and I'm sure there's a lot of Canucks fans that hear uh, it could take five years and probably freak out a little bit about a, a, a guy that was drafted 15th overall just last summer and you know has subsequently been passed by Will Ender and um, you know and, and Aturatu. So. That said, when you talk to Samuelson, he, like he's not worried about it. Like he still sees a lot of upside in the kid and a lot of positives. It's just, hey, not everybody's path is going to be as quick as maybe some of us might like for a guy that was selected that high. And you know, we talked about a lot of the different factors, and injuries was certainly one of them. Um, but there was some maturity and some maturing that needed to happen. Um, you know, he used the word work ethic as something that was that needed to improve. For Jonathan last season uh, things maybe sometimes when you're a skill player that has a lot of early success can feel like they're coming too easy the good news is um, after you know pretty tough pretty you know frankly disappointing draft plus one season he finished strong uh, and yeah it's just the Alvanskin but you know 15 points in 15 playoff games for Jurgarden. Um and and more importantly after a long chat with Samuelson about resetting expectations about not worrying, because he said that Lekaramaki, like he was worried about, like, hey, am I going to be in the NHL next year? Am I supposed to be in the NHL next year? And all those external forces that come with the expectations and hype of a high pick sort of weighed on him. And and it sounded like Samson did a good job of sort of getting him to refocus on being in the moment and doing some of the things um, that he's going to have to do as a pro uh, to to succeed. Because you know he's he's a kid with a great shot and and a lot of skill, but you need more than that to to even stick, let alone succeed in the National Hockey League. And it sounds like there were some lessons that needed to be learned about uh, about some of those other parts of the game. So what's the goal for LeCaramacchi next season? Play better? Like, like I think you could yeah, – no, honestly, like you oh, could – I know. You know. But, I mean, like, like this is the other thing about him that I think we forget. Frankly, I forgot it, right? Um he was 18 at development camp this year. Yeah. Still, he didn't turn 19 until July 24th, right? So he's still, he's still a pretty young kid, and he's gone through a lot over the past year. In addition to the expectations, we talked about the mono, the foot injury, concussions. Like it was a, it was a bad year, both performance and in terms of all the things that happened to him. Um, so setting like. like Set it, for me to go here, he's got to score this many goals and have this many points, would kind of be ignorant to the conversation I had with Samuelson. Yeah. Because that's the problem, is the expectations of setting goals like that. He needs to get better as a player. He needs to get stronger as a player. He's probably going to have to earn his way up the de- depth chart in the SHL now that he's playing for a Raybro. Um and, and Johan Hedberg is his head coach. It was here at development camp. Like, the... So to say, like, oh my, like he needs to emerge as a you know elite scorer in the Swedish Hockey League this season, um, you know, again would would kind of betray the honesty that Samuelson shared in that conversation, uh, the bluntness I talked about earlier, coupled with the fact that like like everything was couched with the fact that like that's okay, it's okay if he didn't have the success this year because he learned from it, and the Karamaki is soft spoken and as little as he says. You got that impression in the few words he did, you know, muster in the conversations that, yeah, like there was a bit of an, a, a learning experience here. And he looks faster and he looks stronger this year. And, you know, watching the, 
watching the the scrimmage, you know, there were times, yeah, he looked a little one-dimensional too in terms of how he attacked off the rush and some of the moves he kept trying to make and, and unsuccessfully. But but make no mistake, like the shot is elite. Uh, there's a lot of skill there, and there's still a package there that could could evolve into something. I just think we're doing a disservice to everything they're trying to accomplish. If if I get on the air here and say like it is an utter failure if this kid doesn't score 20 goals in the SHL, where <laughs> frankly because of his age he's probably going to start well down the depth chart. Well, I I do think you know I understand what you're saying, but I do think that when we watch the World Juniors next year, you know Lecker or Mackey. I'm going to say it like he needs to be a top player for Sweden. This is the third time at the World Juniors. Yeah, and and one goal in in 14 games over the previous two opportunities. Mm-hmm. As odd as those opportunities were because of the pandemic and the timing and things like that. Absolutely. To be honest, Jason, when you talked about expectations, I was thinking SHL yeah. and I forgot all about the fact he like again, the age that he actually gets another shot um in his draft plus two season mm-hmm. to play at World Juniors. Um, did you talk to Samuelson at all about uh, Tom Willander? Not really. That conversation was more with Mike Komisarek. Uh, you know, just seemed to be more of a natural fit, in part because Komisarek's going to be spending a lot of time watching both Willander and, um, uh, sorry, uh, um, <laughs> Hunter. Uh, is that, is no, that, the, the, the local kid. I'm totally with Celebrini. Oh, Celebrini, Celebrini at BU. Celebrini right, right. At Boston yeah, yeah. University. Yep. So yep. it's early in the morning, guys. I've been up since 3 a.m. I've got to get ready for this flight. Um, but he's going to be spending a lot of time. Obviously, he's based in Connecticut. He's going to be spending a lot of time watching them. And obviously, because of his you know, career as a defenseman, I spoke mostly uh, to him about, about Will Ender. And there's, you know, there's a lot of excitement there about the upside that remains in part because he's only been a defenseman for a couple of years, which kind of blows Commissaric away in terms of where he's at in his games, in the maturity of his reads defensively, and where they hope he can get to offensively and transitioning the puck. Um, you know, sometimes we, we, it's funny, we talk to goalies all the time who maybe didn't play goal early on, late bloomers, who credit in some ways the fact they played other positions growing up longer than other goalies for some of their reads and the way they can sort of anticipate the game. Braden Holby comes to mind as one of the sort of strongest examples of that. We still hear it from uh, a fair amount of goalies who, who don't start as early as, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, uh, how important those years are. And for Will Ender sort of had to have been a forward up until a couple of years ago, like, like he sees the game through their eyes, right? He knows what a suicide pass is and not to throw it. Like he knows where they has a better understanding maybe of where they want pucks and things like that. And so the hope is there's more upside there. They love the maturity. They made the decision to come over to Boston University where, again, rather than being a young kid in the SHL, as much as that's a, a league of professionals and men, the reality is you're not getting much of a role out of the gate. And at Boston University, he saw a chance to – play a significant role to become a go-to guy and play big minutes against still high-level competition um, and to transition and get, get used to a North American rink sooner. So there's a lot to like there. We saw it in the interviews. There's the maturity, the confidence, the way he carries himself. Um, Commissaire talked a lot about how he was always looking for feedback. Like as a development guy, if you're constantly chasing them to give them tidbits, that's not going to work. And how... Uh, both Celebrini and Villander were really eager to sort of not just take on new concepts and put them onto the ice the next practice after they were introduced in talks and in video beforehand, but then to come looking for more. So, I mean, those are all sort of intangible elements, uh, but when you see the, the skill, the skating, 
um, you know, and, and the willingness to play uh, a bit of a physical role for his age. Um, there's a lot of upside, obviously, there as well. We're speaking to Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and Ingle Magazine here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we talked about the player development guys that the Canucks have brought in at the top to teach and develop and all that kind of stuff. And like we, we know Chris Higgins. Uh, we actually did a show with him one time, Bruff, and I, we did a trade deadline show with him. Uh, we know Mikhail Samuelson, of course, because he played here, and we remember him as a player and a lot of media and you know his personality and everything. Uh, what's Komisarek like? Because he came from sort of outside the organization to a certain degree. Uh, I knew him as a player, but in terms of personality, the way that he approaches the job, obviously you've had a chance to speak with him. What's Mike Komisarek like? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of how to categorize it. Um... Like, he just seems really easygoing uh, and relaxed, and he talked a lot about the importance of building relationships. Like, that's to him what development camp was about. As much as you're trying to introduce new concepts and trying to get them started on the right foot in terms of, you know, we hear this, I heard this, you know, again, a lot of the conversation around the Karamaki was learning to be a pro. And it, it's a bit of a cliche. We hear it all the time. And yet it's a process. Like, until you get there, there are certain habits that you will get away with at a younger age at lower levels that you just won't as a pro. And sometimes it takes guys longer to grasp that. Um, but, but the ability to sort of feed them that information and get them started on that path is about building relationships. And, and that seemed to be a primary focus for Commissaric. Like, um, I will say that he's clearly a smart guy because he told me that uh, in recent years, I think in the past year, he started to become a goaltender in – like beer league level. So clearly there's a high IQ there um, and, and a willingness to try new things. He just, he did, like honestly, guys, he was just, jokes aside, he was just really easy to talk to. And if that's because relationships are so important to that development process, if that's what he brings to those young players as well and makes them feel as relaxed as we were talking to him a couple different times over development camp. Um, then, then that's a win. And then obviously you also have all the experience that he brings. And he really seems like, like again, jokes aside about playing goal, um, you know, a guy who isn't just there to be like, I played 11 years in the NHL, listen to me. Um, he seems to really be keen to learn new things in terms of where the game is going and the tools that these young players now have at their disposal that he marveled he would have liked when he was coming into the league and, and sort of making sure he's staying on top of those things, whether it's skating or skills work or all those different elements. It's not just that I played in the league, so I'm, I, you know, because of that, I was a high draft pick. I can speak to all these other high draft picks. There's, there's, there's a work ethic that comes with these jobs, and it seemed pretty clear in talking to him that he's embraced that as well. All right, Kev, we need some goalie gossip out of you. Uh, I saw Thatcher Demko working out at UBC uh, a couple times a few weeks ago. Any idea what he's focusing on this off season? Uh, well, it's funny you sent me that picture, and uh, I mean that was not an Ian Clark workout. That was an Adam Francilia workout, and I've I've kind of talked about this a little bit um, over the past year. Like, you know, one of the things like there's there's two sides to this. There's the concern that this organization goes into the season and, and it's fair because there's a risk associated with it with Demko having not made it through either of the past two years healthy, obviously the, the knee injury that ended his season two years ago. And then the groin injury that cost him almost three months last year. And I believe they were related. Um, 
coupled with the fact that there's not a lot of experience behind him in the backup position, whether it's Silovs with five games and all the promise or Spencer Martin with, you know, I think 36 career NHL starts. And obviously things didn't go as well last year as they did in a smaller window the year before. So that concern is legitimate. They're taking a risk by not having an extra body. I'd be curious if they add one off waivers, depending on how preseason goes. The other side, though, is knowing that he's done that work with Adam Francilia, who I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Kelowna, uh, was the trainer that, that is part of the Net360 camp we're up at every summer, uh, a guy who has worked with Connor Hellebuck, Devin Dubnik. Um, like I think he currently has more than a dozen NHL clients. And the work that Thatcher started to do with him when and well he was injured, while he was out for those almost three months. Like, he didn't rest on his laurels. That's one of the things I've always loved about Thatcher. He's always looking for ways to get better. Um, And he found something that, you know, in talking to him after he came back, like, he just felt better about his body. Not just... Not just in terms of how he, you know, the injury and recovering from it, but better than he felt prior to the injury. Um, about how his body felt, about how his body moves, some of the mechanics of movement, um, and how to trigger them and initiate them in a way that puts less stress and pulls the body apart less than maybe he was doing in the past. And so um, when you have that training, I think, again, I'm not dismissing the risk of not having more on the depth chart behind him but I think it is mitigated somewhat by the fact that, again, he's embraced this work. You saw him on the ice working with Adam. Uh, probably, there was probably like a little, uh, like it's like a tool, what does he call it? He calls it his box of toys that he comes out with. Like there's, um, it, it's like a little wagon. It's a wagon. It's literally <laughs> a wagon you would take to the yeah. beach with your kids' sand toys in it. And it's full of like bungees and medicine mm-hmm. balls and all different kinds of tools. That there was some medicine ball ice. stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the the whole idea here is to move your body in one piece as a goaltender. If we start to create counter-rotation where the backside is left behind, or, or in a lot of cases, the way guys move, they'll actually flail the backside, like having, having the upper body moving one way to generate momentum to push the other way. And we're essentially pulling ourselves apart when we do that. And there's been an increased focus in recent years on eliminating that or at least reducing it uh, in part because it should make you more efficient, but it also in part because it should put less stress on the body. And so whether it's the bungee cords wrapped around a part of your leg or around your waist, as you do crease movement and Adam's holding onto one side. And I just, like I said, just two weeks ago, I've got hours of footage of him doing that with a handful of goalies, including Canucks prospect Ty Young up in Kelowna. Um, or whether it's holding the medicine balls to make sure you're activating that core and initiating obliques in a way you know, on the side you're moving to, not allowing you know, from the middle out the body to pull into different directions. Uh, it's all designed to sort of not only improve your efficiency in the crease, but help you last longer in a position that is increasingly breaking down goalies um, you know, and, and requiring them to have more procedures and play less games and all those things. And so it's a good sign. It doesn't mean there's not still injury risk. It's part of the position. But I think it's a good sign that, that not only has he embraced this, um, but he seems really to feel good about the work he's doing. And I think that bodes well for, for this season for him. I'm going to make my golf comparison now. It sounds like the advice in golf to stay connected. Connected is a word. 
Okay. Yes, that's yeah. yeah that's a that's a good description. Um, haven't seen your golf swing. No, it would never apply it is not to my connected. golf swing. It is not connected. Yeah. Hey, listen, as somebody who looks like Jim Furyk had a baby with Matthew Wolf when he swings, <laughs> trust me, there's nothing connected about my swing either, buddy. But it's a good. It's still something that's good to strive for, and I think you know. Hopefully, you'll see the benefits for Thatcher this year. Um, like I said, just in terms of being able to stay healthy and, and feel good about how he f- he feels physically throughout a season. Kev, this was great. Thanks for taking the time to do it. Uh, travel safe. Enjoy Montreal. We'll do this again soon. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Thank you. That's Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and In Goal Magazine here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Lou Holtz had – do you remember Lou Holtz? Uh, former University of Notre Dame football yeah. coach. Yeah. Uh, he once said of Charles Barkley's golf swing that it looks like a deer getting out of a car. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> Maybe he's in the back seat trying to get out. Definitely a back seat. And it's like a it's like a two door. He has to move the seat up before he gets out. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's very descriptive. I like it. Yeah, I like that's I awesome. Like, the image. Right? Yeah, like it's you great. can you can see Barkley's golf swing in the air. Like that looks like a deer getting out of a car. Yeah, there's like a lot of flailing going on yeah. and like some false starts. A bit of panic. And then eventually the deer does get out of the car, but the car is kind of destroyed. Yeah, glass breaking somehow. Um, get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We've got a few in. We need some more. Come on. Halford's back. I'm back, baby. And now he's going to be back to not flagging what we learned. Haven't flagged a single in one. In the Dunbar yeah, Lumber was, text was, line. It was gold last oh, week. Ruff was like, oh, man. So little work now. Jamie Dodd actually has them prepared. There's no awkward silences where I have to go and you know find another what we learn because Halford is like oh I lost it in the inbox. Dodd was just on point. He's he was excellent. So textures constant uh, professional. Just a just a pro <laughs> again every uh, time. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.